2: live. Good evening. Uh, This is your host, Rich Bernadeau here with Daily Talk, Researcher 135's community call on www.talkshoe.com. Tonight, we will be having a return guest, Henry Baxley. He will be uh, presenting a new series that he has of uh, behavior, child development behavior and parenting and early childhood and I don't want to reveal too much about Henry's theory. It's extremely intriguing. Henry is the founder of the Birth Order, Birth Constellation group on Facebook. Go there and join it. Check it out. You can hear past shows featuring Henry Baxley in the archive here. Uh, Every show that I air on Saturday nights, uh, they run an hour. They are recorded. They are available here on www.talkshoe.com under Researcher135's Community Call. Also, many of these shows uh, are also uploaded into uh, CLIP, C-L-Y-P. And there's one or two other areas on the uh, Internet. If you go into Google and you do a search, Daily Talk, Rich Bernadette, Researcher135's Community Call, it will pull up uh, various episodes uh, where you can hear the entire audio. Uh, You can download it. You can share it. Uh, These are also posted to the Facebook group's uh, Daily Talk with Rich Vernado. Then there's also the Best of Daily Talk, which is also on Facebook. And again, you're welcome to visit those groups and join them. And you can hear my show there, too. On YouTube, it is the Richard Vernado channel on YouTube. I also have a lot of uh, YouTube uh, videos of various, episodes and various segments from various episodes. The show's been going on now for two and a half years uh, approximately, and many of these uh, shows have been uh, created, turned into YouTube videos. I have created YouTube videos based on these shows or certain key segments of each episode. Again, you're welcome to download any episode, including tonight. Remember to call in anytime you want at any of these episodes. 724 444 Call ID 137 393 plus the pound sign. Different topics, different subjects, different guests. And there's been a lot of interesting, wonderful people. Yossi Pariso comes to mind. Uh, Dr. Nels Rasmussen comes to mind. Uh, Wendy Rose Williams comes to mind. My good friend. Uh, Becky Boots in Johnstown, Pennsylvania comes to mind. There have been uh, probably more than 100 shows now. And uh, they are available, as I say, in the archive here and, of course, on YouTube and through Google search. <clears throat> Henry has uh, appeared on the show numerous times in the past. And it's always an interesting and lively show whenever Henry is here. And uh, I'm hoping we get a number of callers tonight to uh, discuss, make a comment, ask a question uh, regarding uh, the theory that Henry will be presenting tonight. Henry's done extensive study over a period of time on uh, behavior, uh, human development, human behavior, particularly focusing on uh, neglect, childhood neglect, the influence of uh, birth order, birth placement, I should say, whenever there's a firstborn, whether you're a middle child, whether you're the last born or whether you're born way on down in, for example, in a family that has multiple children, uh, children who are the seventh, eighth, ninth, uh, studies have shown, and Henry's research has shown, tend to receive less uh, parental attention than the earlier children. First born tend to succeed extremely well in our society. This is fairly well documented, primarily through anecdotal evidence. Uh, lots of biographies and lots of historical information. There has not been adequate research really into this area. That uh, Henry would like to spearhead this, and tonight Henry is going to be starting a discussion, uh, and this this will spread, and that's the the intent. <clears throat> Tonight's show will be posted uh, on a number of Facebook groups. The YouTube video will of course be done of tonight's show. While we wait for Henry to arrive, I want to briefly also invite you to watch my series on YouTube, uh, Crazy Insane Radio. There's uh, two spinoff series as well, The Future Hope, which is a futuristic science fiction series, and Murgatroyd, The Early Years. These are fictional series, of course. All of the Daily Talk episodes here Uh, primarily, obviously, uh, dealing with news and nonfiction and current events. And uh, those also are available. And I see Northeast Texas uh, in the chat room. I see Northeast Texas on the line. And I, at this point in time, would like to welcome Henry Baxley to the show. Good evening, Henry. Uh, Good evening, Chip. Tell me, Henry, you uh, have ended recently in your research at a, a new Theory that you developed, and this regards, uh, I believe, early childhood behavioral development. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, what you have come up with? I'd I'd like for us, for our listeners, to know.
0: Yeah. Can you bear with me just about ten seconds? Absolutely,
2: Henry. Take your time. If I can. We're welcoming Henry Daxley as our guest. He is uh, the founder of the Birth Order. Constellation group on Facebook, and I want to welcome everybody to, of course, visit and join that group. And in there, you will find a number of different discussions, uh, including links to previous episodes in which uh, Henry Bexley has appeared. This is an area that Henry has been researching for a number of years now and will continue uh, to research over uh, the next coming years as well. And tonight, he will be starting a discussion, a new area that he has uh, delving into now. It's actually a new theory, I should say, Henry, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, it is. uh, As far as I know it is. The the theory is that uh, (coughs) child abuse and neglect, which heretofore will be known as ablect, is a result of the loss of traditional gender roles.
3: Henry, what do you think are some of the factors that have caused the erosion of traditional gender roles
2: within our society?
0: Well, the the disappearance of the family farm, uh, industrial revolution. In in uh, in 1850, there were the the family farms was. Let's see what I do with that. In 1850, the family farms—you know—that's that's about the time when west, westward expansion was was happening.
2: Yes, yeah, the Great Frontier.
0: Yeah, and uh, there were two million family farms then, and by 1920, there were over six million family farms. But in 1920, that number started decreasing at almost as fast a rate as it increased before 1920. And uh, it's it's uh, instructive to note that that's about the time that uh, women won the vote.
2: I'd also like to interject briefly a couple of economic uh, observations as well.
0: The yeah, Great economy. Depression,
2: yes, the Great Depression was the contributing factor. Uh, and of course, the entrance of the big, huge corporations into agriculture and and the this is years down the road, of course uh the swallowing up and the disappearance of the small farm because of the big, huge corporations but go ahead with, with what you were saying go ahead henry
0: yeah well the 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 uh, uh, the corporations the big farmers took it over
1: uh-huh. uh,
0: around the, oh well. I forget now. I think around starting around nineteen forty, nineteen fifty. But what, mm-hmm. I was gonna say, what I was going to say, what was going to say was uh, 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 the reason I, the reason I suspect that it's uh, the loss of of roles, the loss of mm-hmm. you, you might say jobs. You know. Uh huh. When you lose your job, you lose your sense of self. Your, Indeed. Your, your identity. And uh, this is stressful. Absolutely. It's, re- it's reflected in, in song and story. Uh, death of a salesman, for instance. Uh, the guy lost his job and then killed himself. Uh, uh, the study... A study, an old study by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention,
2: mm-hmm.
0: notes that the suicide rate from 1928 to 2007, the suicide rate rose and fell in tandem with the business cycle.
2: Well, and I would say there's a direct correlation between the unemployment rate and and the uh, rate of suicide as well. Obviously,
0: exactly, exactly. And, uh, and during the Great Depression, the suicide peaked in 1933, uh, and it didn't it didn't it didn't catch up again until quite recently. But recently, it has it has reached historic highs. But uh, let's see. I digress. Uh, uh, what happens is uh,
3: equals.
0: When, when men and women compete for the same job, it becomes an adversarial relationship rather than a, a cooperation, rather than a team relationship. And this causes friction in the marriage or the relationship, whatever. And that friction is passed on to the child like a hot potato, passing from one person to another. And then the child, uh, when the child grows up, and subsequent generations will inherit these these childhood wounds, and so they will uh, subsequent subsequent generations will get worse with each generation.
3: Absolutely.
0: So that's that, that's basically. What my idea is, I'm interested to see what other people think. What causes what causing what's what's causing the rising divorce rate?
3: You know, we've talked about it in previous shows uh, the correlation between sociopaths and
2: uh, serial killers and criminal behavior and, and being born further on down in the uh, family. You know, not being For example, I think Henry Lee Lucas was the 11th, if I'm not mistaken, child in a a big family, and
0: the children getting... He's the 13th child.
2: Exactly. There was a a case here in Texas, uh, and the young man was executed. uh, He wasn't young by the time they got around to executing him, which took 20 years, but he was executed in 2012 for the murder of a young woman named uh, Michelle Wendy Haupt in an apartment in Carrollton, and the young man's name at the time of the crime he was uh, 19 or 20 years old bobby lee hines was the name of this offender and they did research of course uh, the criminal investigators into his childhood and there was severe deprivation you know there was verbal and physical abuse there was sometimes no groceries in the house nothing in the cupboard whenever uh people had come out to check on that you know various agencies and Look into that sort of thing, and so there was a criminal history of uh early childhood uh juvenile criminal behavior uh you know prior to this
1: mm-hmm. murder
2: yeah. which he committed in nineteen ninety one and uh basically that fits right in he would be an anecdotal example of of what we're talking about the correlation between the the bad childhood and the later criminal behavior
0: yeah the correlation is is the high positive. Absolutely, it's. I mean, it's. It's. Uh, there are almost always serial killers and criminals of, of any kind. Uh, almost always come from an abusive, dysfunctional home.
2: And that is 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 on the rise, isn't it? Uh, that, that's there's a larger percentage of dysfunctional families and dysfunctional homes now than there's ever been if i'm not mistaken
0: absolutely well that, that that's my whole my whole uh, thesis is that uh the loss of gender roles <clears throat> leads to uh leads to uh the, the inability of of people to connect to be we all we all seek connection we all seek intimacy you know, and uh, mm-hmm. when we can't find it, we connect in unnatural ways, in un- uh, uh, ways that maybe not necessarily is good for us, like, uh, you know, like a pimp and his prostitute, for example,
2: Mhm.
0: or, you know, things like that. Or
2: uh, And that traditionally has a control-dominance-abuse uh, relationship where the uh, temp tends to be dominating and abusive toward the uh, the hooker. Uh sometimes even verbal and physical abuse, but it's a, a total control kind of thing.
0: Right. And and it's uh uh let me see the the term for it is uh I forgot the term for it. They got a they got a high psychological term for it that I can't remember right now. I'm seventy one years old. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway it's a it's a dysfunctional relationship. What happens is the in any relationship there has to be an agreement between the two people as to who they are you know if uh if, say for instance uh it's there, there's me and you are in a relationship and I think I'm great and I think you're shit if you agree with that assessment then we will have a pretty strong relationship. But it will be degenerative because mm-hmm. the, more, the, more I, the, more I, the more I tell you your shit, the more you will agree with it, which will make me feel even greater. And the greater I feel, the more I will try to put you down so the relationship grows apart one up and one down. See so what I mean? Until it finally culminates in a murder suicide or or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
3: What do you think is is one of
2: the possible solutions or or, or answers to the uh, problem that you're describing in terms of the the gender, the traditional gender roles?
0: What do I think the answer is?
2: Yeah. How, how could, at this late stage in society, with things as far gone as they are, is there any fixing this at all, or is it just something that's there to stay and we can analyze it and look at it, but there's no fixing it? Or do you think it can be repaired?
0: I don't think so. Because the economy mm-hmm. rules. With well, The economy rules.
2: Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Unless, unless we can, human human beings can start, Controlling the economy, which they have been doing to a certain extent, but but not in a good way. In a bad now, way. and the ones who are
2: controlling it, if I might add, are the corporations, the upper one percenters, and you'll notice the same group of people, and I would say it numbers a few thousand uh, dominate the boards of all of the big corporations, own the major amount of stock in all the big corporations. So there really is an upper one percent. And they really do call the shot, whether we're talking politics or whatever we're talking you know there there definitely is the ruling controlling
0: elite oh sure exactly and and uh and it's in their interest uh that men and women are 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 all in, sitting in front of a machine you know for ten twelve hours a day, and they're not uh planting seed or chopping down trees or whatever.
2: Well, the whole assembly line, the whole assembly line, industrialization in general from its inception dehumanizes the worker. And that's where Karl Marx and Marxism, of course, began. That's where your whole union movements began. But we can look at this from any number of different angles. But the bottom line is the low-level guy in the totem pole, the average working guy, whether it's minimum wage or even if they're getting paid fantastic uh, money, you know, at certain factories, and that's changed since NAFTA, of course, since all the manufacturers left the United States and sought out that cheap third-world labor. But anyway, at one time, you know, the working guy could get get paid a decent wage at some of the big big factories. Anyway, the point being, the work itself, the, the nature of the work itself was dehumanizing,
0: exactly and and it's and it's also uh uh uh, uh what's the word it's also um uh, uh, it's it's not just dehumanizing but it's desexualizing it's 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 making the the two genders it's robbing the two genders of a of a, of a special role they they both must play the same role which is that of a slave in front of a machine. It seemed, mm-hmm. uh, let me clarify. Before the Industrial Revolution, and, and even a little while into it, quite a while into it, there were small family farms which meant that uh, men and women had specialized roles.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: the, uh, women And the women didn't associate with the men. Uh, I mean, except, you know, in bed and in the home uh, the women had their social sphere their, their quilting bees and their canning parties and whatever and the men had their hunting parties or whatever they did you know what I mean but they were separate they had separate roles and they were took pride in these in these jobs their job was very important to them it was it was part of who they were uh and since opposites attract sexually, there was a lot you know they had a lot of kids, they stayed married and uh but when they in in uh when the family farms started disappearing and people started working on assembly lines and stuff like that, urbanization, the suicide rate always rises in the urban setting. Uh, not a whole lot, but but enough to to be significant. And uh, let's see. Uh, no. Well, like you say, the the machines have dehumanized us, and will continue to dehumanize us. As a matter of fact, uh, there is children catch the brunt of it, you know, because they're helpless. Uh, uh, everything everything accrues to the detriment of the child there there's in fact a war going on a war on children going on right now 50 million children have been aborted since Roe v Wade i mean a lot of a lot of people don't consider them an unborn baby a, a a human but uh you know you can we can debate that from now on, but you know, but the point is they didn't they they didn't do that prior to the the degenderization.
2: You know another factor in all of this, Henry, and this again gets into how the economic factor plays so heavily uh in all of this. Uh the mother, of course, after World War Two when women mm-hmm. entered the workforce at the factory level and during World War Two on such a heavy level. Again, this sexy, the woman the female uh, role uh, away from the home and, and the disappearance of the extended family as people moved to the cities uh, from the family farm or from the rural areas or from the small town. You had this huge displacement of people to where the factories were. The African-American population in the major cities, particularly in Detroit, Michigan, for example, the direct result of Ford, Ford Motor. And so they left Mississippi, they left Alabama, they left Louisiana, and they went up north to get the factory jobs. And so you had a, a, a shift uh, in, in a migration of, of people across the country. Uh, you know, this in, back during the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, California was the place to go, so to speak. And then you had people from all over the country going out there because for economic reasons and the idea of, and, and again, the economic factor playing a role in, in not only the disappearance of the extended family, but in the relocation, the, the fragmenting, the the nuclear family itself being fragmented.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And the the, uh, the the support system that the family provides is is gone at that point, and in your job it becomes even more important to you. And uh, yeah, uh, the the uh, let's see what. Well, And uh, all that
3: and the rise of the gangs,
2: you know the crips and the bloods and the different uh gangs that are so prevalent in the in the big cities uh
0: yeah well that's that's the result of the breakdown of the family also you know, that absolutely
2: don't. people want to belong to something, and these kids growing up that don't have a family, and there's no support structure there. They go to the gang because the gang provides them with a support
3: structure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the, uh, the 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 knowing a lot of people don't understand the importance of place. And and of knowing your place. I know that sounds like a. makes me sound like a a chauvinist, but uh, knowing your place, whether it be master or slave, is more important than the place itself. Mm -hmm. Psychologically. Psychologically. I mean, you can. You can whine and gripe and everything about being on the bottom. But <clears throat> if you know you're on the bottom, at least you know you have a place.
2: <laughs> well, and and that's one of the interesting aspects of, of the difference between uh, the United States, the, the American, the myth that so many people grew up with during the past century or two. It's partially true. Some people, you know, succeeded with it. Of starting at the bottom and climbing to the top and the great American dream, you know, that anybody, including the immigrants who came over through Ellis Island, well, you know, we can come from Poland or any of these Eastern European countries, and we can go to America, and we can start over, and you make a fortune. And at one time, to a degree, uh, when meritocracy existed, and I'll, I'll get into that in a minute, because that's a very interesting concept. A good friend of mine, whom I think you've met, uh, Janine Lawrence, has uh, she writes extensively on daily costs, www.dailycost.com. and she uh, has has written about this. But in, in there was a time Henry in, in this society, oh, from about the 30s through the mid 70s to early 80s, when anybody really could, so to speak, uh, through their own intelligence and their own hard work. Uh, enter the workforce, enter the corporation, and, and, and get wherever they wanted to go through hard work and perseverance and being smart.
1: Well, The 1%ers yes.
2: have started limited that. Go ahead. they've that, changed since the 80s, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Go ahead, Henry. I'd like to hear your comment.
0: Well, yes and no. All right. Uh, there, yes, the, there, was, there was more opportunity in the past. That, that's gone now almost totally. But yes. That always in a, in a, you know always there's been the birth order factor, oh yes, no question that, about that people that get rich or the are almost always well born children first born or only children, or something like that and the same same is the same is true today hillary clinton uh only child. Bill Clinton, only child. Uh, he may have a a younger a younger brother. No, I don't think he's got a. He's got a half brothers, but he. I think he's an only child, biological child. Uh, any, anyway, Bill Gates, firstborn child, firstborn son. Uh, Warren Buffett, only child, and you can just go on and on and on. It's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, but painfully obvious that only the well-born become successful.
2: And well, born, and, and our, the man who occupies the White House now, if you'll recall, at the age of 18, his father gave him a million-dollar loan and said, son, let's see what you can do. I want to see you do something with this. So, you know, that gets back to the born with a silver spoon in your mouth type factor and, and what a, an advantage of certain exactly. people have Over everybody else.
0: Exactly, and not only that, he is a firstborn son. If you count, if you count the six-year uh, cutoff period, the six-year uh, cycle, where another uh-huh. family starts every six years. Yes, yes. Uh, he is a firstborn son. He has an mm-hmm. older brother, but his brother is so much older that it, it didn't affect his development. Right. Mm-hmm. And of course, Obama was a uh, only son. Right. And uh, who else? George Bush Senior, firstborn child. George Bush Junior, firstborn child. I mean, there are, there's, there's, the evidence is just overwhelming. Yes. That if you're you're gonna you got to be born first, rich, and good looking.
2: <laughs> the three big advantages that uh, allow success in our society.
0: Exactly, and uh, and the key is uh, yourself. What you think you're worth. See, people that are born rich and everything and are spoiled, they think they're worth a lot.
1: Mhm. Mhm.
0: So they manifest this in their lives. They think they're worth a lot, so the people around them will will think it too because emotions are contagious, and so the people around them will support them because you know they're they think they're so great, everybody else will too.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and be, people with a extremely high self esteem uh-huh. tend to rise quickly into leadership roles because the people gather around that. And are attracted to that. You know, It's, it's obviously, yeah.
0: Exactly, yeah. And so it, there was a time when there was more opportunity. That's true. But that's gone now. Uh, unless you just win the lottery or something, anybody can do that. But uh, I don't advise trying it, you know. But <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: Indeed. Uh, one of the things we talked about in previous shows, and it, and it fits right in with all of this, And it bears uh, pointing out again, and that is the continuing level to which humans are being put out of work uh, by automation. You know, the the upper one percenters who own the factories, the big corporations who manufacture the goods, are constantly coming up with ways to eliminate uh, jobs to, to further reduce the labor force to put more people into the unemployment line because they developed a new machine that will do what a person used to do. And this is, is continuing to happen at all levels throughout our society and in all types of manufacturing, and I, I think it's a that's uh, the time I'm waiting to go off. I'd like to hear you weigh in on that.
0: Well, I'll tell you, let me just put it this way. They were interviewing a robot over in China or Japan or somewhere, and they posed this question to the robot, what do you see as the future of robots? And she answered, it was a female robot, she answered, we will destroy humans.
3: That's frightening.
0: Well, that, that, I mean, that, that happened, that, that conversation actually took place.
2: Oh, I believe it because because uh, they 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 have reached a level within computer technology of creating artificial intelligence. Uh, shall we say, in many ways, that's damn near as smart as an actual real human being, and I find well, that extremely well, extremely frightening. Extremely well, frightening.
0: You're, you're 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 way behind, Jeff. They're way smarter than any human artificial intelligence. Now, the robots are not, but they're programmed to do things. But the machines that are programmed to think, are, like, for example, uh, uh, the, the the machine that beat uh, the chess champion,
1: mm-hmm. you,
0: you have to think to do that. Yeah. The, the machine beat the world chess champion. And uh, you can't do that by... Just somebody programming you to book to win. You have you have to be programmed to think.
3: Absolutely, that's very frightening too.
0: And the the, the prescriptions that you get that the doctor writes you, uh, he consults a computer to to decide which drug to give you.
1: Mm-hmm. No,
0: no human, no human, no human doctor could keep track of all the interactions between 20 and 30 drugs. I want to you
3: another, another factor that,
2: that's going on that's related to the area that you just delved into. And we're not going to call it Obamacare, but we're just going to call it the current health care system as it exists. I am personally acquainted with people that, to all intent and purposes, have been cut off. Uh, because of their age uh, and because of the previous medical conditions that they've had, for all intent and purposes, they shouldn't be alive. They've been told, you know, as far as we're concerned, you're terminal, you know, you should already be dead, so you only qualify for hospice care. Now, these are people that are working, functional people. In many ways, Henry and Better Health than you and I are physically and mentally, perhaps, in some, some regards. But the point I'm trying to get across is there is a system in place, and this goes all the way back to Hitler during the 30s, what they called the Nutter, Offen or whatever. That may be a mispronunciation, but I can look the term up. And that is useless leaders. A system has been put into place whereby, and I'm not making this up or exaggerating. Some people can call it conspiratorialist if they want to. The upper one percenters would like to reduce the population, and they would like to do so along with the big pharmaceutical companies that make such a fortune off these medicines, by simply allowing a large number of people to die. You know, it's less uh, disability payments that have to be made. It's less Social Security that has to be paid out. It's less medical care that has to be paid for for the government. Uh, they're, They're considered one of the things that Hitler did was to go after the people who were physically handicapped, mentally handicapped, along, of course, with the gypsies and the Jews, but he targeted the severely physically retarded and disabled first, the idea being they're not productive members of society, they're not contributing to society, they are a thought. they are useless eaters. So instead of wasting resources on them, the theory of the one percenters is let's just allow those people to die. Let's just create a situation where they do not receive the adequate medical care, well, you know, because you've got to remember that, that corporations are interested only in profit and the upper one percenters are only interested in lining their pockets. A lot a lot of the ruling elite are not compassionate in the way that you and I would term compassion as far as toward other human beings goes. So these people are considered expendable. And so what I'm getting at is millions of people are regarded as expendable in the current situation that we're in economically and societally. So you're gonna see this over a period of time, a lot of people just dying from not receiving the medical care that they need or require. And what, once again, economics is behind it. The, the economics are behind it.
0: Yeah. It's got so bad, uh, uh, since the subject is child abuse, I'll come back briefly to that and just to tell you that how bad it's got sure. with, with, uh, with, with child abuse.
1: Right. Uh, uh,
0: uh due to uh, due to the the human brain being so big humans are born three months premature they call it uh fourth trimester uh they have to be born premature because they would otherwise they would rip the woman's uh lower half apart. Right. So they're born, humans are born very helpless. They're the most helpless mammal, and they receive the least care. So that means that humans today are artificial. They're they're not raised naturally. They're raised, often they're taken away from the mother at birth, and uh, they're not breastfed. And breastfeeding breastfeeding is making a little comeback but my, my point is this humans have no have, have lost their regard for each other it's all you know dog eat dog and, and and uh the well if you just think about that human babies are born the most helpless and receive the least care. What does, that, what does that? say about society today?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: And those 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 kids that that are neglected and abused like that don't uh, their brains don't develop normally. And that's another way that they're, the one percenters are genociding the the. The poor people, uh, by just letting them, uh, letting them uh, be neglected to death. Mhm,
3: mhm. I would even go so far as to say that, and we've talked about this before too.
2: Crime within the inner cities, particularly intra-racial crime. You know, black against black, Hispanic against Hispanic, whatever the situation may be. Mm-hmm. To a degree, you know, the attitude I- I at all levels uh, within law enforcement is, well, let's just let them kill each other off. You know, let's let's you know. And I think that's a very prevalent attitude that permeates the system. That that even goes into the jails and the prisons, by by the way, as well. Uh, I think there's that behind the scenes agenda you know turning the head the other way you know well, as it's, part of the overall yeah
0: it's uh it's a it's it's just part and parcel of the whole dehumanization scenario you know, you know what i mean the 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 answer to that uh is to uh, the answer to criminality is not to, you know, is not to, or child abuse, or whatever. The answer is not to be found after the horse has left the barn.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's to be found in wise mating decisions, and uh, and and it's to be found in uh, in uh, in in real family planning, not family planning like in abortion, but family planning like in you have you have a son and a daughter, and then you fix, have yourself fixed.
2: And as far as, as the children who were born go, the, the behavioral intervention it's too late uh, by the time they become teenagers or young adults. It has to happen during the early childhood. That's, well, that's where a, the
0: that's that's another scam. That's another money money scam. They don't mm-hmm. the, the, the the child prevention. The, the child abuse prevention agencies uh-huh they're not about preventing child abuse and don't think that don't don't fall for that they're about punishing abusers
1: Mm-mm.
0: not preventing the abuse but punishing the abusers. There's mm-hmm. a difference and Yeah, difference there is, is critical. It does no good to punish the abusers after the child is already ruined. You know, have to keep them from abusing in the first place, which means, which means uh, education and uh, and and, uh, and 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 voluntary uh, voluntary neutering. Well you'd almost have new, to a whole new society.
3: Well, you'd almost have to have required
2: parenting classes on a nationwide level uh, for many not just lower income, but, but starting with the lower income families and moving right on up through the middle class so that it's basically nationally required parenting classes. You know, just require everybody that has a child, no matter what your socioeconomic level, to take parenting classes.
0: Absolutely. And we need, uh, what, what needs to happen is uh, 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 maternity leave, government, uh, taxpayer funded maternity leave, for not just for a week or two, but for three years.
2: During that formative period when the child is uh, forming its personality.
0: Exactly. And you know, people ain't going to go for that. So it's just a uh, I don't see any hope, to tell you the truth, because uh, children are going to be... And and there's another thing, too. I want to bring this up. Mm -hmm. Today, there's a lot of people, especially uh, upper-class liberal-type people, that are really coming out against spanking. And spanking is uh, shown to be uh, harmful to... to, uh, to development, but uh, uh, the data is not so overwhelming that it means that all spanking is detrimental. In other words, what I'm saying is they, they have a hidden agenda. These no spank under any circumstances ever what they're hiding is the fact that they're neglecting their children. They're not present. They're not present with their children. They they go around saying, look at me, look at me. I don't spank my child. True. You just dump them off at the daycare when they're three months old and forget about them.
1: Mhm.
0: Mhm. Your thoughts on that?
3: Well, I think you described it exactly, and I, I think there's a. What is
2: the solution, Henry? What do you see as as a potential solution?
0: Well, we would have to have a new government. We'd have to have a whole new society. It's a revolution.
3: Well, and, and it's been argued,
2: and Herbert Mokeese, uh, the uh, UCLA instructor, who, by the way, had the Black Revolutionary Angela Davis as one of his students uh, in the late 60s, uh, he's a noted, well, if we're going to label him, he would be considered a communist theorist. But anyway, he thinks that uh, the the masses are being dumbed down, and I think so, too. You know, the, the everybody walking around now with a handheld device and playing some kind of a game 24-7 and constantly being entertained and distracted, that just allows the 1% who are in control. Uh, if I, they I keep the general populace dumbed down, I mean, you're, you, how can you get people? There's not going to be a revolution if everybody's got their nose buried in some kind of a handheld device.
0: Exactly, but I don't think that's... I don't think that's... Uh, I don't think that's uh, uh, I don't think you can blame that all on a conspiracy. It comes about yeah. naturally. It comes about. Uh, uh, it comes about organically with the uh, with with progress, with the takeover of machines.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Again, the economy, the economy accrues to this type of dumbing down because uh, the the economy really don't don't need smart people anymore
2: don't need people at all. It's interesting when we when we draw analogies and how great uh film directors uh who make social commentary on what's going on uh, observe these things within their film and I and I want to at this moment refer to an extremely good film. It came out two thousand six, two thousand seven. It's by an independent director, George Romero, and it's the fourth in a series. He's done several since then. The The Living Dead series, which many people are familiar with, now the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Well, the fourth installment was called Land of the Dead. Now, in this movie, we have a Donald Trump-like character who has taken a big high-rise penthouse skyscraper in Pittsburgh and barricaded it on three sides uh, several blocks away. There's a lower class that lives in virtual poverty and outside, but the city itself has been gated, fenced, protected from the zombie incursion. And all of the elite people are living in this big high-rise, which still has restaurants in it and still has malls and still has a semblance of an economy that this man, uh, the Donald Trump-like figure, has created. And, of course, all these people pay enormous sums to uh, live in this place, you know, because, you know, the rest of the earth is pretty well (laughs) overrun with zombies and society has basically collapsed. So he's created his own little feudal society, shall we say. Now, he sends teams of people out, you know, in armored trucks into the little tiny towns out in the countryside to raid what's left of the grocery stores and what's left of the little mom and pops to get supplies, you know, liquor bottles of whatever food isn't perishable, etc., etc. et cetera. Well, the zombies are just zombies. You know, they're mindless beings. But they've learned, these, these crews that go out uh, with, with weapons and tanks and armored trucks have learned that if they'll shoot fireworks up in the sky, all the zombies will stop paying any attention to them and stop trying to attack them. they'll look up at the sky, they'll look up and look at the fireworks because it distracts them. You know, so let's keep them distracted with uh, something so we can further our agenda and do what we're doing. Anyway, uh, I've got to hand it to George Romero for making some stunning social commentary. He did the same thing in the second movie of the series, Dawn of the Dead, in which he takes a slap at American consumerism and capitalism in general, and that's where the small group of survivors uh, land in a helicopter atop a mall. Uh, they then fortify the mall against the zombies, and, of course, they enjoy the uh, pleasures of the kingdom. You know, they have the unlimited food, the unlimited clothing. All, the power is still on because it's uh, a nuclear-powered mall. And so they just go on just enjoying life, uh, you know, while the rest of society collapses. Again, uh, George Romero makes a social commentary there, and I thought that I would weigh in with that because it's so closely parallels with what you're saying.
0: Have you seen... Uh, uh... Ex Machina?
2: I haven't yet, but I will. Tell me about that.
0: Oh, well, it's, it's a... It's a sci-fi movie about the robots taking over.
1: hmm
0: It's very well... It's a very good movie. Very very well put together. Very well acted. Uh, it's very... Uh, very... Very... Uh, uh, predictive of what's going to happen, what's coming.
2: <laughs> it's interesting you say that because I'm also sure, for me, you're, Henry, that you are familiar with and remember a movie called Soylent Green, and a number of people have pointed Soylent Green out to me uh, yeah, that's
0: a Yeah, that, that was a good movie too, very prescient.
2: And as far as, as this whole subject matter goes, I would recommend not only the book but the movie as well. 1984 by George Orwell, which, again, addresses the intelligence uh, the ability of of, uh, computers and the ruling elite, whatever the governmental structure happens to be, to control the flow of information. And, again, I pointed this out before, and so have you. We're in an age now uh, where so many kids and young people don't pick up a book and read it. You know, they go to a Kindle or an e-reader, they get all their information off the Internet. And if somebody wanted to, and they do this in China, if someone wanted to control access to information, Henry, if if the powers that be, or whatever they may be in, in our socioeconomic situation, decide to make it where we just can't get information, it's just not available on the Internet anymore, that's possible. You know the the situation exists now where information can be controlled on the internet. Our access to it, whether we're allowed to sit or not, whether it's even there. Uh, not so with books. As long as books exist and are around, you can't do that. Go
3: ahead.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a there's a problem. There's a problem with that. Uh, as far as as far as the control of information goes. Uh huh you can you can find out something in a book or online or something like that. I mean some earth shaking thing you know, like the world is going to end next Thursday if we don't do A and B mm-hmm. right? and you can find out this stuff, but try getting it out to the public. You can't do it because you're one voice. And your one voice is drowned out by the mass media, who can, who can, who can. In other words, the media is getting information to ninety nine point nine percent of the people, and you're trying to get information to just one or two people.
2: Right. Right.
0: So information is already controlled by the oh, television yeah. and the movie industry, and and. One person, or even one group of people. Uh, if 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 you don't control these media, you're shit out of luck because you can't compete with them. You have
2: to Absolutely. The Absolutely. Absolutely. And any young filmmaker, uh, period, and I've met many of them, and as you know, I have my own series going on YouTube, will tell you how difficult it is to get subscribers and to get views and, and, and to make. Anything go viral that almost happens accidentally, only certain things click and take off and get huge thousands of viewers and everything else you know you just get a handful of viewers or maybe if you're lucky, you get a hundred subscribers or a couple of hundred viewers or whatever and that even takes time weeks or months to build up that because there's massive competition. There are three million ebooks a year published Henry three million ebooks think about that. That's massive co- competition on Amazon, right there in the ebook level.
0: I oh, know An ounce of truth is drowned out by four million gallons of lies.
2: That's 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 exactly what's taking place, and
0: uh, I don't not, know what the answer, the answer is. It's not that you you can't. It's not that you're not forbidden to to, to tell the truth. You just it just don't do you any good. Correct.
3: You know, he's like the little guy in the little town that publishes a newspaper that has a hundred or a
2: thousand subscribers and then the New York Times has six million. It's what you're up against. And, and and the corporate media is very definitely uh controlled and manipulated by certain forces, shall we say. You know, whether we decide to try to assign them a, a certain category or group or political agenda, whatever the case may be, very definitely mass media is controlled at a certain level.
0: Yeah, but the Zionists, judeo Christian Zionism. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A a belief in a 10,000-year-old superstition of God's chosen people. God don't have a chosen people. He's going to send us all to hell. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, of course in China they even uh, control and restrict uh, what you can look up on Google. I mean, they, they the government they tried,
0: they tried the one-child policy in China uh mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. for 10 years. Uh, but, that, but that wouldn't that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't uh that didn't go for everybody. There were certain people that were exempt from it, but Anyway, they tried that, and it didn't work out because it it wasn't planned well uh, because, uh, you know, more boys are born than girls anyway. And so, I mean, just naturally. And who were there, they preferred to have boys, so they aborted a lot of the girls, and now they wind up with too many men in in the country. And it just didn't work out well. What they should have done was to have one son one daughter and then have themselves fixed or, you know, be fined for, for every additional child that they had to be heavily fined. And uh, and if they, if they had a daughter first, they would be obligated, or they should be obligated, to put that girl up for adoption and trade her for a boy as a firstborn child. I know people wouldn't go for this, but this is the way it would this is what would fix the problem, you know what I mean. Get us back to a naturally polarized society, you know, where the men and women are equally valued in society, rather than the firstborn son being valued more, or the firstborn daughter being valued. More. I mean, the first. I mean the the eldest child uh, being valued more whether it's a son or a daughter. Uh, you following me?
2: I am, Henry. I am.
0: Okay. Because, uh, because a son and a daughter would equally balance out the, the gender uh, scale. <clears throat> you see what I mean? Absolutely. And they would each have a special place and function in society. And after 30 years or so, uh, society will have changed and it will have become more natural with women wanting to do women's stuff and men wanting to do men's stuff and I guess it would have to be artificially created what men's stuff is and what women's stuff is but one thing that's not artificial women's stuff would have to include the care of children
3: Mm mm-hmm Henry, on that note, as we come toward the end of this hour, do do you have any final comments that you'd like to
2: send out for for anyone?
0: Yeah, well I'd I'd like to ask people if they think I'm right about uh the loss of gender roles creating child abuse or if they think it's something else. And if so, what?
3: Henry
2: Bexley, I want to thank you again for being a guest tonight. Uh, this show will be available on audio for download, and it will be shared in various Facebook groups and other places on the net as well. And the YouTube video uh, will be created over the course of the next two or three days. Since it's a one-hour show, this will probably be a, a three-part uh, YouTube video, and it will be readily available also. And again, everyone, join the discussion. Uh, this has been Henry Baxley, and I want to thank you very much for being the guest tonight, Henry.
0: Enjoy being with you,